Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Dowds. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Like, really happy. You are going to love this show. It is so good. But before we jump into the conversation for today, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Enneapath, from your Enneagram coach. You guys probably remember our friend Beth McCord, also known as your Enneagram coach from Ennea Summer 2019. Well, Beth and her team are starting a new membership site called Enneapath, and I want you to know about it. Enneapath is your pathway to clarity, connection, and growth. As a member, you'll learn to understand and nurture the inner workings of your mind and spirit through the combined lenses of the Enneagram, the Christian gospel, and a new innovative approach to using the Enneagram called the Enneagram Internal Profile. With these insights, you'll learn more about the core motivations behind your personality, explore how to use that information to cultivate your most important relationships, and become the healthiest, best version of yourself. Each month, members get access to a new level of core training, a live Q&A with Beth, her husband Jeff, and some other certified Enneagram coaches, a supportive community of Enneapath members to connect with, a monthly community challenge to put your learning into practice, and exclusive member-only pricing on Enneagram coaching sessions and training programs. Basically, Enneapath is the answer to the question y'all ask me all the time. I know my Enneagram type, but what now? To become a member of Enneapath, just go to yourenneapath.com. That's your E-N-N-E-A-P-A-T-H dot com. You guys, it's only $14.99 per month to join or $9.99 a month for founding members who join this week, the week of April 19th. You can cancel anytime risk-free and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So visit yourenneapath.com today. Our guest today, you guys, is Harry Connick Jr. I know. I know. He's a best-selling musician, singer, composer, legendary live performer with millions of recordings sold around the world. His new album that is out this month is called Alone With My Faith. He wrote and arranged all the songs in 2020, played every instrument, sang every part. Both the album cover and the first video, Amazing Grace, were conceived and directed by his daughter, which I think is so cool. Y'all are going to love this conversation. I just couldn't, I was already a fan of Harry Connick Jr. and it is just through the roof now. So here is my conversation with our new friend, Harry Connick Jr. Okay, let's jump in. Is it all right for me to call you Harry? I feel like you're so official. I should call you something else. No, Harry's great. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to do it. And I don't, this is going to be dealer's choice. Do we start with hope floats or do we end with hope floats? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, you pick. I'm, I'm going to let you pick. I'll, I'll follow your lead. Okay. Well, this is what I need you to know is when our staff was sitting around lunch today, we spent a good amount of time talking about how much we love Hope Floats and P.S. I Love You, and particularly you in both of those movies. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I, you know, I, I smile when I think about both of those, mainly because of the two women that have become such good friends of mine, Sandy Bullock, obviously, from Hope Floats, and uh, Hilary Swank from P.S. I Love You. Just, you know, amazing women um, who, you know, my family has I've gotten to know and 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 I feel so lucky to to call friends, just incredible people. You know, I I, I think about Hope Floats and, and and that whole experience of being in Texas doing that. And I remember it was hot, and we had such a great director in Forrest Whitaker, and 
just the magic of being on a film set that feels like everybody's trying to make the same movie, you know, yeah. and, and, and the, 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 the writing was great. You know, the actors were, the people I worked with were so talented and it just felt if sometimes you can just kind of get a good feeling about a movie. And that, that was one of them. So I, I, I really have some, some fond memories. My wife, Jill was there. She, she, the person who, who is actually filming all of my music videos and taking my pictures uh, for my album covers, Georgia, my, our daughter was a year and a half at the time or a year and, uh, and Kate, our second daughter was in Jill's belly. So we have good, good, uh, memories from doing that movie. When you started, you did music first. What? How did you even know you'd be good at acting? Well, it, I, I started doing um, little things, you know, when I was a kid, little TV shows and stuff. And I was in a lot of plays in high school. And I, I just loved the idea of performing in a different way, like not necessarily having to have, you know, music on stage, but to do it as, as an actor. And I remember when I was about I think it was around 19. I was playing in this little club in Los Angeles and someone thought that I would be good in a, in a film called The Memphis Bell, which was a, a like a World War II movie that, that had this ensemble cast of a bunch of these young guys. And um, I auditioned for it, knowing that it was a small part, but something that I wanted to experience. And uh, and I loved it. It was it was what I thought it would be. It was a, a different way to be creative and a different way to perform, but but just as fulfilling. So I just you know, continued to pursue it. Did you have a relationship with God back then? Like, did you grow up with a relationship with God? I did. I, I feel really lucky uh, that because my sister and I have uh, kind of an unusual history. Um, my mother was Jewish and my father, uh, who just turned 95, is Catholic. And we were raised in New Orleans in a Catholic environment. So my mother was kind of non-denominational at the time. She was from New York. We grew up in New Orleans surrounded by Christianity. Um, that was just what, what we did. We went to church with my dad every Sunday. We, we listened to different types of Christian music, you know, from kind of traditional Catholic liturgical stuff to gospel music. I mean, I grew up in this town where, where all of this music was readily av available. So, so God and faith played an important part in my life. Although I wasn't baptized because my mom wanted me and my sister to decide what we wanted to be. Oh, so when wow. I was 14, I decided I want to be Catholic. So I got confirmed and baptized when I was 14 and have been officially Catholic ever since. And and so, yeah, faith and, and God have been a big, big part of that my whole life. Because I'd love for you to trace. I'm sure you've thought about, about this before, but. Trace God and and your story with God from as a kid doing the acting and the music to it shaped your whole life. Did what's been God's role in that? Do you see Him in that? Oh yeah, I, I think from the, the idea that the gifts that I've been given are certainly, in my belief, God given gifts. And what does that mean um, for me? It means recognizing that these are indeed gifts and I have to try to maximize them um, because I'm not sure why I was given the gifts I was given, mm -hmm. just like all of us have gifts. But I think that it, it, it is required of me to, at the very least, try to understand what they mean and how they can be used to help me, to help others. I think of faith as being one of those gifts that is a gift that compels me to communicate with God. And it's, it's something that 
uh, kind of like the scene in Harry Potter where they all start learning how to fly around on those totally on those broomsticks or whatever they're flying <laughs> on, and they crash it into walls and stuff. I mean, you have to learn how to use it. I think over time, it 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 it, it becomes more profound. It deepens. Um, it 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 wavers. It, it it's a it's a spectrum, you know. Yeah. And and um and the more I challenge it, and the more I utilize these gifts, which again, go back to your original question of how God filters into all of this. Yeah. It's a, it's an er everyday evolution. Okay. So B, that's an awesome answer, by the way, I'm going to be thinking about that all day. Uh, be our teacher for just a minute, because I imagine some of our friends listening, they are, maybe they're 15 or maybe they're 80 and they're not sure of their God-given gifts. How do we find them? How do you know the things you were made to do? It's such, it's such a, a great question. I think, I think we, I know we all have them. And for some of us, you know, you look at Tiger Woods, who was swinging a golf club when he was two. It was right. very obvious that that's what his his gift was. But I think the way for all of us to find what those gifts are, if they're not especially obvious, is to spend some quiet time and think about the things that give us great pleasure. What do we really love to do? Is it gardening? Is it doing a Rubik's cube? Is it watching sure. movies? What, what, what is it? And then, but, but, but without any conditions attached, in other words, I'm not going to go garden because I think that's going to make me a ton of money. What, what do I really, really want to do? And, and, and the, the question asking process will, will sometimes lead us into areas of enlightenment or discomfort. And, and we need to be okay with with all of that, we need to be okay with, well, maybe maybe my gifts aren't going to make me a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, or maybe um, I'm not as good as I thought I was at this. And and, and just to know that all, all of that stuff is is okay. And then I think eventually your passion kind of will reveal itself to you. I like that you put enlightenment and, and discomfort together. Because I think people don't want those together. I think they yeah. want to learn and it not hurt. Yeah, well, I mean, the older I get, the more I realize that if I can almost intentionally keep myself in a perpetual state of at least modest discomfort, uh -oh. then I, I will grow to some level. I, I think about a friend of mine every day. His name's Steve Gleason. He was one of the most talented athletes you'll ever meet. He played for the Saints. Yes. He has ALS now. I, you, know, you probably know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, because one of my best friends here in Nashville is a football player who has ALS. Amazing. I think about Steve and I think about how he has incorporated the highest level of physical discomfort and emotional discomfort into a life that has become so powerful and inspirational and fruitful. And, and what can I do to try to understand that depth of faith and humility? What can, what can I do? And, and I think, the, the idea that discomfort is is not something that should be tolerated or but 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 should be should be welcomed my, my dad said to me one time that there's an art to pain and and man I thought about that for years just thinking mm -hmm. what what does that mean what what does that mean and I just watched Passion of the Christ with my girls um, a few nights ago and all three of them came up to me the next day and said that really really messed us up mm -hmm. uh, just just to watch forget who was crucified to watch anyone 
suffer that. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, like it, it reminds you, at least it reminds me like, you know, that, that, that is a, a huge part of the growth process and how we come to terms with things that don't necessarily go our way. Yes. I, so you're raising three girls or they're raised, right? Twenties and nine and 18 or something like that. That's right. They're all adults now. How did you help them find the God-given gifts that are in them? How, so for our friends who are parents, how do we help our children find what their God-given gifts are? These, these are such great questions and and I'm, I'm, you know, honored to be able to talk to you on on this level because it doesn't happen that much. But for me, it, it comes from, um, empowerment and, and love and the discovery process. Like if I can, as a father and Jill as a mother can create an environment of love and risk for risk taking and this in the discovery process, knowing that I'm not going to just volunteer a bunch of information on you. I'm going to allow you to walk and stumble and fall on your quest to design your own life. If I, if I can allow that process to happen, then I think, the, the the passion will will mm-hmm. come, but it's a little tricky though as a parent because do you force your kid to take piano lessons? Is the is the you know what I mean? And I think I think it's it's just indiv- it's individual. I, I think you have to. We all love our children. We want them to be healthy and happy, and we provide structure and context uh, through which they can develop discipline. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, it's really important for me to recognize that these children are not me. They, they may have pieces of me, but my life is not their life. And, and I have to learn how to adapt to the notion that these amazing young people that we've always tried to raise are actually here now. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have opinions and perspectives that may not always coincide with mine. And am I okay with adapting to that and, and, and understanding them as adults mm-hmm. and allowing it, them to be free as the people that they've grown to be and, 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 for me and Jill, that's that's a trick. And 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 now we've got these three women in our lives that educate us, still are dependent on us in, in, in ways that kids are always dependent on their parents, but they, they've bloomed into these incredible, you know, people. So it's it's been amazing to watch. And according to what I saw, I think on your Instagram, they were home for the whole pandemic year, right? Like they were at they were. the house with you. What was that like having your three grown daughters back? It was, it was, well, first of all, let me say how lucky Jill and I were to be able to stay at home anyway. I mean, we think about all of the people on the front lines that were doing everything they could to keep us alive and taking Mm -hmm. risks. And, and we pray for them every day. And our daughters who should have been off designing their lives were all home with us. So, you know, they quickly turned a typical sort of, you know, this sucks, this is frustrating which is any normal young person's attitude to what, what can we use this opportunity for to, to help us grow? And it's become this unforgettable time in our lives where there was a lot of loss, a lot of tragedy, a lot of heartbreak, frustration, but we were able to be together in a way that we never would have been able to be together because, yeah. you know, they, they, they should be off doing their own thing, but yet they've had to stay at home and they've been responsible so many times they have had friends call and say, hey, come out for, we'll go meet for drinks. And they've said, we, we can't do that. We, 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 you know, our mother had breast cancer. We're not going to risk her life because we want to go have a drink. And to, mm-hmm. and to watch a 24-year-old, a 23-year-old, an 18-year-old say no to any kind of social activity for a year 
yeah. has been a great lesson to me because I tell them all the time, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but man, I couldn't have done that. I, I just don't think I would have had that strength. So these, these three incredible women have taught me a lot. When you think about how you were parented, I watched the Instagram you just did with your dad where he gave advice on how to be 95, and I, like, fell in love with him. He seems Yo, so awesome. Get in line. Get in <laughs> line. He, he, my dad is – everybody loves my pop, man. Oh, you have to. I mean, when he's like, do more stuff, eat more stuff, yeah. I was like, my guy. So, so when you think about how you were parented to what's happened with the last year with your girls, can you even see, like – is there a line of you were able to take what you learned as a kid and transition into how you're parenting adults now? Absolutely. You know, one of the things my dad always said was everything in moderation, including moderation. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he, he just, I just, you know, I feel so lucky to have a 95 year old father who I still call daily, yeah. multiple times a day for advice. I was reading some Thomas Aquinas recently, because I'm trying yeah. to understand. And, and I, I, I was really dissecting this one particular thing. And, 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 and I FaceTimed my dad. My dad, you know, he's just kind of kicking it. He was sitting <laughs> on his couch. I said, Pop, what do you think you meant by this? And we, an hour later, he says, dang it, man. He said, I'm 95 years old. I thought I had all this stuff figured out. You're <laughs> going to come in here and disrupt my whole thing, you know? Because he's, an, I mean, he's like deeply faithful and yeah. knowledgeable about like he could talk to you for hours about the Holy Spirit in ways I, I've never even heard priests talk about wow. the Holy Spirit. And so he he really knows what he's talking about. And he says, man, why you want to mess up my whole my whole <laughs> rhythm right now, you know? And uh and so we have great conversations about that. I'm just I'm so lucky to have him. I just listen to what he says and try to learn. Uh, I need to have him on the podcast. Let's do a whole episode about the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen, he says, we hear about the Father and the Son all the time. He said, but what really, who is the Holy Spirit? I mean, he's written a devotion to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm serious. You, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing thing to talk to him. I actually think his devotion to the Holy Spirit, maybe even in my lifetime, will become something that the church actually incorporates into their doctrine. Because wow. we never really studied it in that way. Yeah. And, and I mean, he spent years of his life dedicated to it. And, it, and it's... Uh, I mean, he's he's amazing. He seems awesome. <laughs> okay, well, can you get the his the devotion he wrote? Is it like online? I will. I I don't know, but I I'll give you my word. I will get it to you. We'll get um, and so you so you can have it. He would be thrilled to know that I did that. Oh, I, he, yes, I would love to have it. He's, it he's sounds an amazing. Guy. I have a friend who wants to start a podcast, and he said, "I just want to interview people who are over seventy about their prayer lives." Listen, you know. I've always been attracted to older people in, in that if you just listen and, and I, cause I grew up around older musicians and they, they didn't want to hear what I had to say. Uh -huh. And, and there was a, um, you know, that expression, children should be seen and not heard. Yeah. That, that was, I mean, we giggle about it, but that's really the way it was. Like <laughs> my parents used to tell me and my sister, when we went to my grandma and grandpa's house, don't speak unless you're spoken to. And it sounds really harsh, but that means, if there's 20 cousins sitting around and grandma and grandpa are there, don't open your mouth unless they talk to you. Listen to them. I mean, ask them questions, but don't, we don't want to hear what you have to say right now. This is about grandma and grandpa. And when that stuff is drilled into your head, it really makes you, wait, maybe they're saying something I should listen to. So I've yeah. always been, you know, I've always gravitated toward, toward the wisdom of older people. Cause I mean, there's a reason that 
my dad's 95 and still doing so well. He's done, he's done some things right. Yeah. And I want to learn how he did it. Yeah. Hey, friends, just taking a short break from this conversation to give a shout out to our amazing partners, Liquid IV. We talk a lot around here about resting. Y'all know I try to be super diligent about taking a day to rest each week. And see, when we push our bodies too hard or we're just feeling run down, we limit the fun we can have and the good we can do in the world. I think it's extremely important to take care of ourselves with the proper vitamins and nutrients. And that's why our friends at Liquid IV created Hydration Multiplier Plus immune support to maintain and strengthen your immune system. I'm usually a morning liquid IV gal because it helps me stay hydrated and feeling good all day. I love the new hydration multiplier plus because it's got vitamin C and zinc that support your health and it boosts your immune system. Plus the natural tangerine flavor is so good y'all. The blend is powered by the cellular transport technology, which is designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other nutrients. The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and key nutrients into your bloodstream faster. It's the perfect balance to help you strengthen your immune system more quickly and effectively. And I'm a fan of any way to support my immune system these days. So grab your Energy Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code that sounds fun at checkout. That's 25% off of anything you order when you use the promo code that sounds fun at liquidiv.com. Start fueling your adventures today at liquidiv.com and the promo code is that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Harry. Who modeled for you, for you and Jill, because y'all been together for three decades now, mm-hmm. who modeled such healthy marriage to y'all that made you want to keep doing this? I think, well, Jill and I both respect, you know, marriage and what, what that means. And I mean, I, I, some marriages don't last. I don't judge anyone. There's lots of reasons that things don't happen. Sometimes people die, sometimes whatever. And, and it's heartbreaking to see. But I didn't, I didn't want to do this two, three, four, five times. For me, I didn't want that. I met this incredible woman who was and is a hero of mine. She, she's stronger than me. She's better than me. Knows who she is. Like, like I aspire to be like her in a lot of ways. And I, and, and I take it seriously. You know, I mean, I, I knew her for four years before we got married, but we wanted to make sure um, because I know what my parents' marriage meant to me. And I, you know, being able to have a chance to give that to my kids meant a lot to me. Again, I I really need to say, I'm not judging anybody. Things don't always work out, you know, the way it worked out for me and Jill. And, I, yeah. and, and I'm very sensitive to that. But I just, I take it very, very seriously. I'm very lucky and, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Listen, I'm 40 and haven't gotten married yet. I'm working on it. So I it hadn't worked out the way I thought it would. But I'm like, it's, I still got three I mean, decades that's the thing. in me. Like it, you know, it, it you know, ha- listen. Have my dad on your show and ask him about marriage, and and it, it, you'd be pretty amazed at what he has to say. You think things that, you know, who would have thought that this Irish Catholic boy that was born in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama, would have moved to North Africa to work for the Corps of Engineers in the early 1950s and meet a Jew from New York and marry her? Yeah. You know, like like it's, I mean, it's it is what it is, man. Like you know, it's it's we all have different experiences. Yeah, I love it. I, I will can't... say one thing. Whoever that person is that you end up marrying is going to be one lucky son of a gun. <laughs> very you, kind. I don't know you well, but I can tell you're you're a very special woman, and 
You're you know, kind. very Thank deep you. thinker. So, well, that's very kind of you. That is very kind. If at the end of the hour you change your mind, or at the end of our forty minutes you change your mind, you say so. Okay, you just say. I'll tell so. you, it won't happen. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about alone with my faith and this idea that you wrote this entire album or arranged this entire album and wrote some of these songs just over the pandemic year. You know, I live in Nashville, so a lot of my friends lost their road jobs. A lot of my friends have been home. All these all these road people, we're just like, we need them to get out of town because the traffic has been bad there. Go, well, y'all right. need to get, go back on tour. <laughs> what was it like for you being home? And when, was the, when did it switch from, oh, I think we're going to be home for a little bit to I need to make a record because I'm off the road? Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what happened. It was a couple of weeks into it. I'm like, all right, we're not going anywhere. I want to make some music for me to make me feel better. So I started singing like, you know, Amazing Grace or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe do a couple of more. And then I started thinking, well, maybe I should write some songs based on how I'm feeling because this is a sustained kind of confusion and, and, and melancholy that I've never experienced before. And everybody else was going through the same thing. And was it going to be a month or two years? We didn't really know. And uh, I just started writing about how I felt in real time and recording it and found that the music itself mm. was actually helping me get through. Not, not only the, the process of recording the music, but the, the, the content of what I was singing about was actually helping me. I would sing like Old Rugged Cross and I'd feel better after yeah. singing it. I'm like, ah, oh, wow. So So I did the whole record with no one there, just lots of instruments and... and and setting up microphones and just chipping away at it. How'd you pick which hymns to do? The first ones that popped into my head, really. I mean, uh, Amazing Grace, I'm like, okay, that sounds good. I love How Great Thou Art, Old Rugged Cross. Then uh, my dad says, well, you need to record Pontus Angelicus, which is- That might be my favorite on the album, by the way. But I didn't know how to say it, so I wasn't gonna bring it up. (laughs) No, I appreciate that. Um, So I did that one for my dad. Like Old Time Religion was one that I hadn't thought about in years. my dad, my, my stepmom said, are you going to record that one? I want that one on there. I'm like, well, yeah. of course I am. Yeah. I had no, <laughs> no plans on doing it. But that's just the first ones that I could have done eight different spirituals and it would have been just as fun. Um, okay. my f- So that was the one that you know how to say that I don't know how to say. It's my favorite one to listen to. Oh, Panis Angelicus? Thank yes. you. Um, but Because He Lives is my favorite hymn. Will you talk about why you picked that one and the arrangement of that one? Yeah, sure. So this was one of these um, ones that we all know. And it's it's there's so many hymns and you just kind of forget about some of them. And a buddy of mine was singing it one Sunday on his Instagram feed. And I, I kind of had finished the record. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot because he lives. And so I just kind of quickly recorded that. That was a really, really fast one. Um, you can even hear in the back that choir that you hear is actually me about 20 five or so overdubs and it was so quick i mean all that choir it took about maybe five minutes because it was (gasps) just you sing a part and then you (laughs) you quickly do it again and quickly do it again and you sing the part it's very 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 fast this harmonies are very simple the kind of harmonies that we would all sing in church so nothing nothing real complicated so literally five or ten minutes very very fast and then that song just kind of happened. And, and uh, so that's why I recorded that one. I Every Easter, I, like I can barely get through that one without tears. I'm just like, oh, yeah. oh that's it. Well, it's because he lives. Yeah, well, that, that's the, 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 it's interesting because that song, you can do it in a lot of ways. And I don't think my way is necessarily tear-inducing, 
But you can sing that song and induce tears for sure. But mine was more of like a celebratory version yeah. of it. But yeah, no, you can no, you could break that song down and start crying about that song. Right. I heard a pastor on Easter. My pastor said the difference uh, between every other religion and us is today. It's the resurrection day. It's that it's because Jesus is alive and it just changes everything. Yeah, it does. I mean, you start thinking about, you know, all fear is gone and, you know, yeah, that's it's 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 heavy. It's very heavy I know. stuff. <laughs> Get you. You yours does sound celebratory, but I won't lie and say it did not still bring a tear to my eye today. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it still is very moving. One of the Thank ones you. you wrote is the Benevolent Man song. Yes, I wrote that one just about the question that pops into my head now and then, which is, you know, what the heck am I doing? Is yeah. it good enough? Is it am I doing enough? in God's eyes, am I, am I relevant? Am I, am I good? Does it even matter? All of those things. And, and not to sound overly despondent about it, but those questions are the questions that, um, inspire me to, to try to do better. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's, that's kind of what it's, what that song is about. When I, I heard you talking about it and you said, the question you asked is what I'm doing relevant in God's eyes. How do we even, can we yeah. go down that path for a minute? Because that had me spinning out, asking if what I'm doing is relevant in God's eyes. Yeah, and it, is, and, it is, and it is. I mean, obviously the obvious answer, like it's almost a rhetorical question because if you ask anyone of faith, is what I'm doing relevant God's eyes? Of course it is. God loves you. And it, but but then, then, then you got to think about the God that you pray to mm. who, who really knows you. And, and, and it's like, hey man, are you, are you really doing what I, what I want you to do? Mm. You know, that, that God. Yeah. And, 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 uh, there's, a, there's a distinction there and, and not, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean a literal distinction of there are different kinds of gods. I, I mean, the, the, the God to which we pray individually at, at our most quiet and vulnerable moments, does, are we really doing everything we can? Am I really doing everything I can? Of course, God loves me and God forgives me for my mistakes. But is that God saying, Hey man, come on now. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can, you can step it up a little bit. Yeah. You can, you can, you know, you can, you, you can do a little bit better. That that's the one I'm talking about. Um, you are at any point you're allowed to say, Annie, that's none of your business, but <laughs> would you talk about your prayer life a little bit? Will you talk like when you're making music, is that prayer for you? Or do you set aside a time during the day? What is your prayer life look like? Cause it sounds like you hear well, God. I mean, it sounds like you hear him talking to you. I try. I, tr I think I, I think I do. I, I know I do. do, but like, like, um, it, it's, it's, there's so many different kinds of prayer. I talk to my daughters about, about this a lot, about being present and, 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 and being in a meditative state with the intention of accomplishing something in that meditative state, as opposed to just trying to kind of clear your mind. And for me, I tried to make a habit. I don't think I've ever told this to anyone publicly anyway, but I, I've tried to make a habit of starting my prayers, making them for the people that have caused me pain or wow. hurt me. Um, and, 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 and what is, what is, what does that mean? And then I question, am I doing that because God thinks that's awesome that I'm trying to forgive people who have caused me pain, or do I really want to forgive these people who have caused me pain? And, wow. and, um, and, and I, and I, re I really try to do that. I mean, sincerely do that. Like, if, if, you know, because the older I get, the less time 
or, or space I have in my life for anything that is not love. I don't want that in my life. I don't want hate or fear or jealousy or anger or, or ha- holding grudges. I don't want that to be a part of my lo- life. I, I, I want love to drive everything, including consequences when I think they're needed, you know, because somebody's done something wrong to me. I'm not saying I'm just going to be a punching bag. If somebody hurts me and, and there needs to be a conversation about that, I, I don't feel like I lack the self-assertion to acknowledge what needs to be said. But but after that point, it, you know, how, how strong is the force of love in my life? And, and a lot of that comes from from prayer. And it comes in different ways. Sometimes it's from singing. Sometimes I can get into a, a different kind of mental state. I'm recording Old Rugged Cross on this album. I was there when I sing the line, uh, I will cling to the old old rugged cross in exchange someday for a crown. I can promise you right now, I was not, I did not feel like my feet were on the ground. I felt like, like, oh yeah, like this is, a, and in just a few lines before that, it's talking about the emblem of suffering and shame. Mm-hmm. And then I'm clinging to it. And all of the stuff that transpires when you're thinking about what that actually means, I promise you, I felt like I was like, I kind of opened my eyes. You know, and, and again, I was alone in, in this room. There was no recording engineer. There were no other musicians. And I just kind of had to sat down, kind of sit down, feel like the wind kind of got knocked out of me, like, whoa. And I told that to my dad. He goes, you know what that is, right? I said, what? He goes, man, that's the Holy Spirit talking. <laughs> your like, dad and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Telling you, man, he, he knows it. So, so to answer your question simply, my my, my prayer life is is varied. Um, it's it's consistent, um, and it's and it's very much a part of my my everyday life. How how is the feeling different creating this album than your others? Do you connect? I mean, I would imagine based on hearing your music that you connect spiritually when you're creating your other non faith centric music. Was I do, it, was but this but, but this was di- yeah. Oh yeah, no, this was different because. 99 times out of 100, the albums are a display of like musicality. Like here, I'm going to sing, I'm going to play and I get into a zone and I love it. And I love writing the arrangements and conducting the orchestra. But this one was talking about things that we were all going through at the same time Mm -hmm. in real time. So it's not like I was singing about a breakup I had and maybe somebody listening broke up with somebody and can relate. We were losing people from a pandemic as I was singing these songs, wow. I mean, I lost yeah. about 14 people in my life over the last year, friends oh and family. And no, it's been terrible. I mean, I say about 10 or 11 of those were from COVID, but you know, the priest who married me in Jill or my teacher, Ellis Marsalis or my uncle Dan or whoever it was. I mean, it's been a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of other people have gone through similar experiences. And this album was different because this album was, was, speaking to me and and all of those other folks at the same time do you for starters i'm so sorry harry that's an oh, unbelievable loss in a year yeah it was it was tough but what really made it tough is that there's no closure i mean there's right. no memorial services there's no funerals i mean you know it's it's very difficult um but listen i i can't equate you know my difficulties to the people you know who who really were out there sacrificing but we all have ups and downs. And there were a lot, a lot of downs this last year. Yeah. That that's very kind of you to say, but I can't imagine a single friend looking at you and saying that losing 14 people you love in a year, isn't a great loss. Yeah. So, it was, it was tough. You, it was you definitely made call you it think. What it is. Around here, you're always allowed to tell the truth like that. So you can, you can call it as Thank it you. is. That's a big loss. Thank you. 
Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Pros. Have you been searching for custom hair care that truly addresses your hair's needs? Well, look no further. Pros is the world's most personalized hair care. They know that we don't always find the results we're looking for in the traditional hair care items available to us. So what do they do? They've combined natural ingredients and innovative ways to give you clean, customized hair care that really works. I've been using the personalized shampoo and conditioner that Pros created for me after I took the quiz on their website. I just answered a few simple questions about the climate where I live, which I thought was so interesting, some of the routines and the concerns I had about my hair. And they took that information to create personalized hair care products that have made my hair stronger, shinier, and smoother. I love that my pros products are formulated with clean ingredients and they smell so amazing. You should try it too. I think you'll enjoy the little quiz and I know you'll enjoy getting personalized and effective hair care products made from a unique blend of over 50 billion, that's billion with a B, you guys, formula combinations that Pros has available. And they're always looking to continue to optimize your experience so you can use their review and refine feature to tweak formulas for any reason, seasonal or lifestyle changes so you get even better results with each shipment. Every bottle is made to order so you're guaranteed fresh and effective hair care. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash that sounds fun for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz and you can join the club. And now back to finish our conversation with Harry. Will you talk, when you make music, do you, do you work out pain while you're making music? When I'm writing books, sometimes I'm working out my pain on the page. Mm-hmm. Are you working out pain while In you're terms making of, music? Is it therapeutic? Yeah. While, as you're, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, there were a lot of times when I would weep on during singing a lyric, which I don't do normally, because if I'm in a studio, there's other people around and I might be very emotional, but there's a line that you get up to where like, it's, it's just, I don't know how to say it, but it might get a little weird, like sobbing mm. in, in a studio full of people. So, so maybe there's a way to like sing it and feel all of that without crying. But I just, man, straight up started crying many yeah. times on this album. And that's not something you really want to hear on the album because it's, <laughs> it sounds beautiful, but it's like, nah. We're like, is not. that, is that Harry weeping on the, <laughs> like, in the background? Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, in maybe harmony? the first time you heard it would be cool, but like the third time, you're like, okay, dude, we get it. Like, you're emotional. So I would re sing it with the same intentions, but yeah. maybe not with the crying. But yeah. yeah, no, I feel like I worked out a lot of pain uh, through, through this, through this. You know, it's like it takes over where, where words stop. You know, mm-hmm. like you can only articulate so much with, with words. You know, music has a, a romanticism about it and a, and a, a um, an abstractness about it that that is inarticulatable. So it, it helped me uh, a lot. Will you tell uh, tell us about the mandolin you showed that you played for a benevolent oh, man? Yeah, I think that story. You told a per- portion of that story on Instagram, but I was wondering if there was more to it. I loved hearing about that. Yeah, so we we had this mandolin in our house um, that my mom had bought my dad back in the fifties when they lived in North Africa, and it was just kind of this wasn't. I mean, it was a, it's a nice instrument. It's not some you know. $100,000 mandolin. It was just something they probably bought at the store. And uh, we've all, all always had it. And uh, it was kind of wrapped in bubble wrap in my house. And I took it out because I was hearing a mandolin on that song, Benevolent Man. And uh, I took it to a luthier and had it uh, repaired. 
and um, decided I was going to play it. And I, and I played this song for my dad. I said, Dad, you know what that is? He goes, yeah, it's a mandolin. I said, but do you know which mandolin? I said, man, that's, that's the one you gave, that mom gave you back like in the 50s. He said, oh, my gosh. So I took pictures of it and sent it to him when I was yeah. recording it. And it was just, yeah, just cool to have, you know, some family history, you know. Are instruments like children where it's hard to pick a favorite? Or do you have a favorite instrument in your life or in your house that's like... I have some really cool ones. Like I have... Um, I have some really cool instruments, but my, my, my favorite is, well, I have two. One is the piano my mother gave me when I was 13. She gave me a, a seven-foot Yamaha a grand piano, which I love, and it, it has incredible nostalgic value to yes. me. And then Jill, I always wanted a Steinway nine-foot concert grand piano. And for my 30th birthday, Jill surprised me with one, which to this day, I still can't believe she did. And yeah, that that would be it. Like, I just, that was, that, that's unbelievable. That's like, the greatest gift you really? could ever give someone like me. Yeah. Earlier when you said, do we make kids take piano lessons? I think that answer is just yes. I think everybody should have to do piano lessons for a little bit. I think bit. so. Even if they hate it. I don't know. There's, there's, there's stuff you can learn from it for sure. Yes. And once you know how to read music, you can play any instrument if you have the internet that teaches you where to put. I agree. You know? I, I agree. It's And it's not that hard. I mean, learning how to learn a few basic things on the piano. And I think it'll take you a lot farther than you think it can. When do you think you get to start touring again? You know, whenever it's time, you know, I, I'm willing to be patient. You know, there's, again, we're not through it. And when, 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 when I get the sign that it's, it's safe and time for me to go, the, the thing I worry about is what you referred to earlier, the, 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 all of these folks who, who work on these crews. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the touring, the roadies, the people who set up the stages, the yeah. tech people, yeah. bus drivers, that, that that's the most heartbreaking thing. I, I just want to see them get back to work. So when it's time for us to go, we'll, we'll be ready. I think we're we're looking at the end of it now, hopefully. And, and you know, we, we will have learned a lot and, you know, we, we can get back to some normalcy. Yeah. What's the hope going forward when you're thinking about where the world's going next? And I just I just want us to man, we're in a weird time right now. Even before this pandemic, we're just just a weird time. You know, I I am um, all I can do is worry about how you know, I, I treat people and how, how, you know, what, what my little team can do. And yeah. I just hope we get to a point where we can, we can all really hear each other and, and celebrate our commonality while also celebrating our incredible differences, which make us mm-hmm. so unique as a culture. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, an amazing opportunity we have as, as Americans. And I just want to, I just, I just hope we get to a point where we can, we can all love each other even more. I heard you on my friend Paula Ferris's podcast, and you were talking about how much you've been cooking and barbecuing over the last year. Oh, yeah. So Plenty if you want that. to bring people together, you just got to feed Heck us. Yeah. That's exactly right. Just it's amazing how quickly differences disappear, <laughs> like over a brisket. You That's know what I'm right. Saying? That's right. Tell me, y'all, y'all been cooking anything fun lately? Well, Jill, she like will lay in bed at night just pouring through cookbooks. She <gasps> loves, loves, loves cookbooks. So she makes... I mean, she's always trying new things. I, I tend to stick toward like, I don't know, kind of, I call it country food. Like I like yeah. barbecue. I like New Orleans, like uh, gumbo and, mm-hmm. you know, red beans. Or like the other day I made like a, like a, a, a white bean and kale and, a, and hot sausage, like a, like a, like a Tuscan kale soup kind of thing. Like 
I just like I like making food in the crock pot that you can eat all week. That's how I like to do it. <laughs> just throw it all in there and walk throw away. It in, let it cook and yeah, exactly. <laughs> I it blows my mind still that we plug those things in and leave our houses. I can't I can't I get mean, behind it. <laughs> you know what? You don't need to you don't ask any questions. Just come back and it's done. And yeah, no, it is a weird concept. It is bizarre. It blows my mind. The fact that my dad was always like, don't leave the dryer running when you leave your house, but you'll leave a kitchen thing plugged in. That's right. Y'all got to line up what you care about. Okay. I have one more question for you. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover? Man, I got to tell you, you know, this, I do these a lot and, and, and you're so smart and, and so present that it was, it's just a joy to talk to you. And I can time. see why, you know, you've enjoyed the success you have because it's, it's a, it's a skill set that people who don't do it may not appreciate. But for somebody who's been on both sides, I'm telling you, you know, you're you're a really talented lady. And and I just love talking to you. And I look forward to the next time we get to do it. Thank you. I hope we do, too. I, and listen, you were a TV host for hosting your own show. So I take that as a huge compliment from someone who did it professionally. So thank you. Well, and I'm going to have your dad on. We're really doing it. And I'm going to send you that. I'm going to get that to you as soon as I can. I really mean that. I think you'd, I think you'd like that. Me too. I'm into it. Um, okay, the last question we always ask, because our show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Um, well, I'll tell you what sounds fun that I would never do is like jumping out of an airplane. I mean, that <laughs> sounds fun, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't wow, do it. Wow, why couldn't you do it? I'm, I'm terrified. I could just... Just think it's like such an unnecessary risk. It's so unnecessary. Like, talking about all these gifts that God gave us. And like, can you gonna jump out of a plane? Like, I don't know. Maybe one day. I'm no. with you. I'm with you. I'm like, listen, we got a lot of work to do. I cannot have two broken legs. I got a lot at, to do. At, at the very least. Yeah, that's right. That's on a good day. You'd be lucky to that. get out of that with two broken legs. Okay, so of what sounds fun to you that you really do? You know what sounds fun to me right now? Like, like going out to dinner with a bunch of people, yeah. like just sitting around a table and just, just having a good time. Maybe after a show, like just seeing people laughing and smiling together, you know, cause, cause boy, I tell you, I miss it. And, and, uh, although I'm totally patient and, and, and waiting my turn, I, it sounds fun to get back out on the road and play some music. Isn't that funny to think that the things we list now as what we long for, we, we didn't think twice about in 2019. Heck no. No, this is, this has taught me a lot, this whole pandemic. Yeah, me too. I am so thankful you made time to do this today. My pleasure. I loved every minute of it. Same. Uh, you guys, don't you love him? Oh, my gracious. I just was blown away by that whole conversation. He could not have been kinder. And now we are for sure going to have his dad on the podcast. <laughs> Be sure to grab a copy of Harry Connick Jr.'s new album, Alone With My Faith, and go follow him. Tell him thanks for being on the show today and how much it meant to you. I am doing the same. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Any Updowns on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs TSF. Like that sounds fun on YouTube. And I think that's it for me today. Friends, go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great week. And we'll see you back here on Thursday with the author of Every Moment Holy, Doug McKelvey. <laughs>